Welcome back to Ask the GM's Podcast. Here is part two of Pet Peeves. And thank you for listening. The segues into a pet, or my last pet peeve. Um, it's okay to die. <laughs> Except death it is a part of the game. Because we were talking about how stories, stories are structured. And what is the point of playing a story if there is no risk to it? Because once there's no risk, there's no tension. I mean, what's the point? And, yeah, there's um, got to be stakes. And, you know... Uh, one of our Gregs was saying like, oh, that's stupid if, you know, all all your characters, you know, growth goes into nothing. Well, Zach was saying that, you know, me and Rob's characters were some of the best and Lindsay's characters were some of the best he's seen, I guess, maybe us produce. And my character kind of came to a head whenever he had a self-sacrificing moment to save the party. Oh, your and death was spectacular. I loved it. <laughs> And it made that character insanely memorable for me that my death was able to help the group carry on in the game. And so, you know, deaths can be way more meaningful than a life full of just nothing. Well, I do love your character death. And the other example is Ian in Masks, When You Went Bonkers. That entire thing, that entire thing in the pyramids was memorable for, for that for Lindsay almost getting vaporized, for Rob sitting in the chair, even Dave coming up with the sawed off. Like we talked about that scene and still talk about it. Yeah, that one was, oh man. I mean, you want to talk about memorable moments. That was one of the clutch moments in in role-playing. Yeah, I missed the crazy chair. Yeah, it was essentially the apex of like the drama of our story all culminating into one moment. That another thing with character deaths is I like rolling up new characters so kill me any day (laughs) yeah it's like you said you know if the character can't die then what's the point and also on the other side of that like the stakes both need to be there and also in another way of thinking about it there are no stakes like for you as a real life person because if you die like yeah sure like maybe you, you put some effort into that character and that can be a bummer but it's not like you can't just roll up a new one like this is all a, a make-believe story we can just put you right back in it in a different way so there's there's no real consequence to it so why should you be afraid of that yeah i i don't know what it is. i completely agree with you guys i think character death adds can add to the story sometimes it's just unfortunate and it doesn't add anything and it just happens but um i i think that in a way dungeons and dragons probably conditioned a lot of players especially if that's what they started playing was dnd i think that game conditions players to be very averse to death because you want to get to level 20 or 15 or whatever whatever you're shooting for so i feel like um when when players are striving for that level 20 character and they die at level 10 they feel like they've wasted their time so i think it has to do with the way some games are set up whereas call of cthulhu i think you know right from the get-go that your character's doomed i mean you, and if you don't you didn't really read much of the material or you're not paying attention but your character in Call of Cthulhu is doomed from the very beginning, and you you know that going in. Yeah, you do. I mean, I've had more than one character start with 12 or 11 HP. Oh, man. Like, and anything can kill you in Call of Cthulhu, like pitchforks. And, and, well, you know, and Yeah, I was going to call that out, Lindsay taking that pitchfork. That's an 11. I have 12 HP. He's like, yeah, that probably got very close to just ganking you. And 
you know, I know we said we're not actors because we're not, but what is, and I'm going to use a, a Futurama reference here, uh, but isn't the best scene to act in a death scene? That's a good point. That's a, or, or a scene where you're losing your mind. That's always fun too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Like in children of fear, like we talked about when I said Pat's death was spectacular, like Pat, that was your moment and you seized yeah. it, man. Like you and, knew that you like landed on that death and you were like, you know what? I'm going out with a literal bang. And it was own awesome. it, man. Own it. Own it. And, and Ian, just, just to what you were saying, that death was a bout of insanity that led to my death, which, so it, oh, it that's even better. Oh, that's and even better. It was funny that the dice led to the way they did because, um, Zach required me to throw, you know, do a sanity check. I failed massively. I got an insanity, which in ter- turned into like just bloodthirsty rage and insane vengeance. Rage, yeah. yeah, insane rage. So, you know, I had a chance to either attack my party or attack the creature. And I just so happened to attack the creature, but my guy went all out and just, you know, he. Uh, kamikaze him basically. It was, uh, um, yeah, didn't you like light a dynamite stick and run at him or something? Yeah, yeah, there was bits of me that blew all over the town square. Oh, that's great. I think it was what was the creature, Zach, a star vampire or something, something big and bad. Yeah, star vampire this is very bad. Okay, my next topic is don't dig story holes. This was mentioned with Greg when he's digging around in that autopsy for more information when there was none. And Rob has also mentioned it in terms of like understanding Western Western storytelling. Don't dig a hole that doesn't go anywhere. Don't go into an alley and expect it to be a road. Yeah. This just brings me back to like being in film school in a screenwriting class. Like when you, when you write a scene, you, you write all this stuff and then you go back and read it to edit it. And you're like, all right, you put in a lot of useless information that like, sure it's stuff that happened, but if it doesn't move the story forward, there's no need for it to be there. So you don't need to, you know, like the alien autopsy thing that we already talked about like that. You, you might've had a thought there, but it's not doing anything for the story. Cut it out. It takes time. You know, it takes time from everybody. Um, everybody's time is valuable. So no need to, uh, no need to poke holes in a already fictional story. Yeah. I mean, just read the cues because it, it's, it, it could, because I get it on the surface, autopsying an alien body seems like you would get something from it. But as soon as the, the keeper says, ah, it's no good, nothing's there. Just, just read the cues. That's it. Move on to something different. Ian, do you have another topic? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to call, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, oh man, this is a tough choice. Let's go with bullying. I've seen this happen at the table, not, not particularly at our table, but I've seen this happen uh, in the past, uh, probably more when I was a teenager, but uh, I've, I've seen it some when I'm an, uh, an adult. Just any form of bullying at the table is not fun. Um, I played in a game shortly. This was right after I moved to Wilmington in 2005. This is probably 2006 or seven, and I was DMing it. And it was two of the players, they were roommates. And you could tell that there was friction between them. And one of the roommates would constantly uh, belittle the other one, um, you know, talk down to them. Uh, it, it was just generally uncomfortable. And, it, you know, just like witnessing bullying in school, it's it's not 
cool to see it at a game either it must be hard to police as well like you can't you don't want to get in between that oh brian it's so awkward when there's that kind of but you you, because you you know you're gonna have to have a conversation with someone and it's and it's not going to be a fun conversation it it feels like work (laughs) i'm glad that we don't really have that in our group because that would just be another thing that pushes my jackass button and i would i would not be able to resist inserting myself and then it would just get worse. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very pleased to say that we haven't had to deal with that in our group. Brian, do you have another topic? I do. I have one more. Um, and this is, uh, so again, a little more objective than, you know, paying attention and, and lying about roles. It's more towards my second one. It's uh, be original. Um, you know, this is role playing. You're allowed to move outside your comfort zone and try something new. You know, if you're always the lawful good character or always a doctor and medic, maybe it's time to try something else. Um, you know, or on the other side of that coin, if you're always playing yourself, are you really role playing? Yeah, Brian, that's that's one that gets me is when is when someone comes to the table and, and and when they start playing, you get that person like that's all you get is them. And um, you had mentioned um you had mentioned stepping out and doing something different. Something I've seen happen before, Brian, I don't know if you've seen this, but you, they play the same character over and over again and complain about it, where it's your choice to play what you want. And you're the one that's choosing to play the party cleric, or you're the one that's choosing to play the the paladin. And don't complain about it. Right. You're, oh, you're, you're a cleric in D&D and you're a doctor in pulp. Okay, cool. And, and like Pat said, you know, the two-headed serpent campaign, Oh, you're you're using an old character. Oh, okay. Why are you using an old character? What? Why would you do that? Yeah, are you just here to kill time? Like, are, you got nothing better to do? Is that why you're here? <laughs> now, I, I will say that this is probably one of the hardest. Uh, it's, it's very nuanced. It's hard to break. I find myself guilty of it, you know, because we all like a certain dynamic to play, like... And I say in D and D, I'm always playing a cleric or something like that. I do like to switch it up every once in a while. And I think it was really until I got into Call of Cthulhu that I was wanting to try different dynamics on different characters. You know, try and be a social character. And sometimes something to help you break from these things is rolling rolling on a table to generate your characters. So I, I would say that would be a, a step to try and correct that behavior in yourself. And, and, I, and I like that character creation method too, Pat, uh, especially in the Warhammer fantasy uh, system. Um, it, it's a great way to step outside your comfort zone. Yep. Now I have a specific ex- exception to this rule. That is, if you're a DM and you've wanted to finish playing a character that you never get to finish because the game you were in ended and you had to start DMing again, I'm fine with you trying to finish that character. Finish their story or do more than the four sessions you've got with them. On the oh, other end... Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Um, so, as I mentioned before, I don't have a, a ton of experience role-playing, but that's one thing that I've been really conscious of every time we start a new campaign is to try to come up with something totally different and not just be the same person over and over again. Um, but I'm pretty excited. The game we're starting tomorrow is the first time that I'm bringing back an old character, um, but not just reusing an old character, like taking that character, progressing further with that same character. 
Um, and I'm kind of excited to see how that goes. Oh, and, and I'm technically guilty of this because I have a character that is requested um, and it's been requested more than once. Uh, and, and that's because it is... Is that Tucker? It's Tucker. Yeah. And that's Tucker. Okay. Yes. And, and Tucker. It, it's fun to be Tucker. You know, it, it's enjoyable. And luckily I don't have to do it every week because that would probably get a little taxing. But um, I, I do think it's it's therapeutic to okay you know you're trying to this is where i come from um trying to grow as a person all right i know i need to be more assertive i know i need to be more uh, i don't want to say demanding but if that's a character that i know i need to grow in my own personal self i can put that into uh, a character i'm creating and um it how i how i look at it you know it's uh, it's a little yeah, difficult. Put in the I character guess. and test drive it for a while. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, most of my characters recently have been kind of sleazy. Does that mean I'm being sleazy in my normal life? Maybe a little bit. And Brian, I want to thank you for that. That's kind of like the converse of what I was going to bring up. It drives me nuts as a as a as a dungeon master, as a keeper, as a GM, when I see the same person play the same thing every time with no variation and no change. It shows no player growth, no character growth. I will freely admit I do rate my players and I do rate myself with a rating out of 10. And some of our Gregs have a certain lower number than everyone else because they've shown that they can't grow. All right. Dramatic revelation for the podcast. I want to know my number. <laughs> right. I totally want to know it. Oh, if you want to know, I'll, I'll flat out tell you. Yeah, I want to know. Yeah, Rob, you're a five, and it's not because you're bad. It's like five is like base average. Just sometimes you're not into it. So like you fluctuate between yeah. like a six and a five. I'll take it. Yeah, I, I see. Rob, sometimes, sometimes though, Rob throws some really, Rob throws some really hot curveballs out there. Yeah, when he's in, he's in. Oh, yeah, sure. I was say, yeah. When I'm on, I'm on, but I can definitely yeah. be off. I see what you're saying. No, yeah. Where like Ian and Lindsay are eights. I'm a seven. Patrick's a seven. Brian is a six, but Brian, you're brand new. So like a six is good, man. Yeah. For the, you know, the, the, the short time that you've been playing. Absolutely. Like, I don't think I know a nine or a 10. I was going to say, I'm shocked. I'm an eight. I, I was guessing like seven, maybe. No, you, you and Lindsay are, are eights. Like, yeah. Cause you, you and Lindsay are able to get into character so easily that I'm I don't think it comes naturally with Zach and I being at sevens and uh, something we just definitely aspire to. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. And, and I don't know if this helps, but it's because I have absolutely no shame. <laughs> it probably helps. <laughs> And like, you guys might be eights, but you're eights for different reasons. Like Lindsay will fully develop a character, fully. Like she gives pages of backstory notes. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say she, she's on the level of like a screenwriter when it comes to backstory and character development. And not everyone has to do that. I just like it shows like she has a dedication to like playing her character. Uh, next topic, I'm gonna throw one out there. Do not create thirteenth warriors or unicorns. This is a situation where like, hey, one of these characters doesn't belong. Oh, the sore thumb. Yeah, the yeah, I got gotcha. you. That's yeah, uh, I jump the gun in the situational awareness thing, but uh, old uh, Norse pagan CIA Greg fits that. Yeah, it's uh. Something I definitely agree with you as far as pet peeves, because we were talking about it on our D&D episode, how it's just like, you just you, you just don't belong here. It's like, say you're in a Tolkien world, and it's just elves, dwarves, humans, 
and orcs and hobbits. And it's just like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a clown on a circus ball juggling bowling pins. Like, what the? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like you're. Um, oh, I'm a dwarven sorcerer. No, you're not. Shut up. Reroll your character. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, get out of here. I'm a 6'4 German U boat captain. I yeah. love that. I love that one. I miss that. I, I hate I wasn't in that game either. That one sounded fun. Because they really like big guys and, and submarines. Also, the German U boat captain fits in well with the four Americans, the man from India, and the British serviceman from World War One. Yep. That checks out. Totally checks no, out. Yeah, at all. No. What happened to my character? Well, he he got dragged in the alley and he's dead now. A couple other ones that are simple. No whining. Don't whine. That's a big one for me, too, is the crying and the whining. That's that's no good. This is a game. We're here to have fun. You, why so serious? As, as the Joker would say, why so serious? Like I get like maybe roles not going your way. Guess what? That's random chance. Or maybe you have genetic genetically bad die luck, like the Harper family. You just have to buy new dice then, right? Every time. <laughs> Every time. I'm just glad my rolls are middle of the road. I got bad days. I got good ones. Yep. Yeah. There was a day where I, I failed every single roll except for the one that Zach leaned in and said, roll a yeah, And I rolled in that you screwed, you screwed over that family so good. I was so proud. Yeah, I, I've definitely rolled bad for an entire session. It doesn't feel good, but it is what it is. It, it happens. Yeah, I, it happens all the time. I, I remember that there's been, I can think of multiple games we've had at, at, at Cape Fear that I've that I've didn't succeed a whole role the entire game. I can definitely think of multiple ones. Ian, do you have a next topic? Yeah, I've, I think I've got one last one here. Um, this one is kind of kind of goes back to something I, I think we probably already talked about, and it's just in general playing in a way that that is is not conducive to the spirit of the game. You're you've you've read you know fifty books. You know all the material. You basically have the knowledge of a seasoned DM, and you're bringing all that knowledge into your level one human fighter, like knows everything that you know. I've just seen that happen so much that it just drives me insane is just using out of game knowledge. Just it's uh, it's oh, and, and it gets worse in world of darkness when i used to run a lot of world of darkness people would use the knowledge that they have in real life because in world of darkness it's a modern setting so they would they would say that their character has one set of knowledge and they would use their set of knowledge that they really have so it, it's just uh it, it just drives me insane yeah it's essentially they're not role playing at the table they're just using their own knowledge not their character's knowledge <gasps> It's a yeah. troll. It's weak to fire. How does your character know that? Ah, uh, yeah, come back exactly. to me a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Or in World of Darkness, a really, really big thing that would happen in World of Darkness games is you would have maybe, um, let's just say you'd have like a vampire character maybe, and they they just became a vampire. You've been a vampire for a month. And they're talking about going out and finding mages and werewolves and wraiths. And like, dude, you don't know any of that stuff exists. You just found out the supernatural existed like a month ago. So like it, it happened all the time in World of Darkness. It was really, really bad. Uh, players were really bad about that. And um, I guess that would kind of segue into my last pet peeve. 
which would be and I don't I don't know if we hit it on it yet power gaming. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hate that. And yes, I you know, grew up a gamer and whenever I'm playing like a solo RPG, yes, I'm going to try and finagle to get the strongest character I am. But I'm not trying to tell a story or be part of somebody else's story whenever I'm playing a single yeah, that's player. A, that, that's a that's a video game. That's 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 if that's what you want to do, if you want to go and be I remember there was one player we had who made a character who had a bunch of rock throwing feats. It was a 3.5 game and he was level like six and could throw boulders like a giant. But he was a medium sized character because he just picked just the right amount of feats. And and it's, it's like, are you serious? Like, this is completely ridiculous. Or it's like, we know Polearm Master and Sentinel is good in combination. Or if you want to get Sharpshooter or what have you to game the system to get your damage output the highest. like Just, just play an Xbox game or something, or go play World of Warcraft. Now, if there's, you know, you can design a fluff around it while you're pull our master and sentinel say like you know you've been a king's guard and you wield a halberd all the time and you've you know say you've been in a lot of riots and holding people back okay okay i get it now but don't just do it just to do it one thing i appreciate about call of cthulhu there's no power gaming there's no like I'm the best at everything. No, you're going to be weak somewhere. I think that's actually why I like what what's attracted me to this system so much. Zach is that very point right there. Is that I'm, the players aren't worried about how much XP they have. They're not worried about what level they are. When do I get my next feed? When do I get my next spell? They're not worried about that. Well, not only that, it's like, haha! I've somehow mapped out the perfect character. No, you haven't. There's no way to do it in Call of Duty. Nope, it's impossible. Every character will have a weakness, which, you know, every hero should have a critical weakness. I, I would say that if, um, if it was possible in Cthulhu, I would have probably attempted to do it. Because, you know, just like, like Ian said, a video game, you know, you kind of look at how other people have done it, or you look at kind of walkthroughs. And I've looked when I when I created that two headed serpent character, I was looking for, you know, a mystic. Um, I can't remember what his profession was, the uh, not an arcane investigator, but I was like looking and there's not really information that makes your character overpowered in any way. So I would say that would probably be something that I, I luckily am not able to do because I would probably attempt to do it. I have a similar topic in terms of character building. Do not ask for special treatment. In general, definitely around session zero or session one, really the, is disingenuous to all the other players. Yeah, not not cool. Uh, um, something that I do a lot, or I used to do a lot as a as a DM, is is I might you know give out a couple of like bonus items at the beginning of the game, but like everybody's going to benefit, or it might not be the same thing per se. But if 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 I'm going to give spe- something special to one player, it, it you can pretty much bank that everyone else is going to get something either soon or something similar. For me, it's the even the asking. Oh yeah, just the the I guess the would you call that entitlement? I could see that argument, and like I'm not going to say I've never asked for something special or anything like that, but I usually work that out with the DM, and 99.9% of the time, it's RP stuff. I'm not asking so that, for a jetpack. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Is 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 all the experiences I've had with 
with with you guys is is it something story related you're telling me that my lawyer cannot have demolitions if i had no demolitions experience i i, I didn't say no i said not yet <laughs> no i said no i was very clear <laughs> on the no <laughs> no i did not ask for demolitions experience i just asked to be double lucky and i was totally fine if you said no oh that's right double, yeah no um yeah, no, to, that, that's that's not what I would call an unreasonable ask. Uh, my last couple, unless someone else has one, are going to be more game system focused. Uh, the first one's going to be D and D focused. I need you as players to understand how alignment works, not how you think alignment works. Just oh, because you. you're lawful evil does not mean everything you do must be lawful evil. It just means a majority of the time you are lawful evil. Yeah, alignment is a a really big. That's a really big. Uh, that's 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 a that's a sore subject for a lot of D and D players because if you ask ten different D and D players their interpretation of the alignment, you're probably going to get ten different answers. And it has changed and fluctuated through the years. I know Gary Gygax was very adamant that they were more like hard hard divisions. I'm not of that opinion. I think it's a spectrum. But it also means if you're in that little category, you often fall into that category. I agree with you. That, that's how I that's how I interpret it as well. But Gary Gygax was a bit of a hard ass. So, you know. Well, the rumor is everything came from Zeus's head to him. He, he never played another game or was inspired by anything else. So... Oh, yeah, that checks out. I mean, he said that at a convention. I, I can say a lot of things, too. Last system focus one for me, and then we'll do any cleanup on anyone other anyone else's topics. Do not go skill fishing in Call of Cthulhu. In Call of Cthulhu, you get to check your skill if you succeed and possibly improve it later. Don't be trying to force skills into boxes they don't belong in. Don't be rolling diving if you're dodging out of combat. Yeah, I guess I, I, guess I just don't see this too often. Um, if I ever see anything that looks like this, it's usually the players trying to figure out if they can do something or not. Ne- they're not necessarily maybe looking for a skill check. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there might be a, a, a line in the sand there or a fine line, maybe. Yeah, there's a big difference between asking, hey, can I roll this or this? Or what do you think the best skill is for that? Not, hey, can I randomly roll this because I want to get the skill check for the session? Like, no, no, you can't. Also, forgot about it, but I'm going to mention it now. Don't just roll stuff. Roll when I tell you to roll or roll when it's clearly appropriate. Don't just randomly roll a check. Roll the roll the 2d10 and save it for the next time Zach says make a spot hidden roll. <laughs> you know, when when y'all are keeping or DMing or whatever, it's you're the voice in the sky, really. And you're providing us players guidance as to like one the scene so you're obviously describing it and then you know i'm probably guilty of asking is there anything else around that i could see um but i think that's i don't know if that's me being new or just like trying to find more stuff but no asking for context is fine an example i can think of from greg was hey we're on this big road trip going to this other city, can I roll navigate to make the road more efficient or to look at the map and roll navigate based on that? No. While a guide is currently guiding you guys anyways. Yes, that was the specific example. Or uh, was, that, was that Children of Fear again? Yep. That, you remember, Kim, not to keep going back to Children of Fear, but you remember uh, play one of the Gregs playing as a, uh, a big game hunter and they were like, can I hunt anything here? And we're like, no. <laughs> There's nothing around to hunt. No, okay. you're in the desert. <laughs> you're in the Gobi Desert. You can hunt sand. Does anyone have any other pet peeves 
even if they're tiny ones. I've got um, not so much a pet peeve, but kind of like an overarching, like closing thought for for my things. Uh, it ties together a lot of the pet peeves and a lot of things that we've talked about, and that's basically just like participating good faith, you know. Uh, or to translate it, don't be a dick. If if you're doing something, you know, just just be cool, you know, and everything will be fine. Here, here. Be a good human or whatever character, species, race you are. Be a good life form. Yeah, <laughs> being, conscious being. Because secret guys, I'm going to tell all the players this, and everyone in this little room knows that too. If you're like letting the keeper know or the DM know that you want to do a fun thing and it sounds awesome, probably going to let you because they want to do a fun, awesome thing. Like um, suplexing a giant snake in the nose. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, sure, go ahead and do that. <laughs> yeah, try it, yeah. <laughs> Brian, I recalled you attempted to jump off the top rope. It it didn't succeed, but I was all for it. Yeah, I was I was attempting to land an elbow from forty feet up, <laughs> and uh, totally failed. And uh, that was okay, you know. Uh, the attempt is it, it stuck with me, and that was entertaining in itself. Yeah, the only part of that is if if the if the game master is telling you it's impossible, just back away and stop. But after that, if you're gonna do the cool fun thing, they're into the cool fun thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Zach, I would like to stare at this paperwork for the next 40 hours. It's like, no, man, we're skipping the scene entirely. Um, Zach, I want to uh, I want to deliver a 96 minute eulogy at a funeral in January in New York. After it snowed. Yeah, you did that. <laughs> it was hilarious. I'd like to hypnotize a monkey so my friend can barter for its a uh, fire cheating relic. Dope. I've never and seen so many successful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I've never seen so many successful roles in a row in my life. That was just amazing. Like every single time, I was like, Zach, would this do anything? And he's like, I mean, it might. And we just got like perfect roles the entire time. I mean, and some of it's fun. Like as a, as a player, you do want to put some like questions in your in your game master's mind. Not scary questions, just more like, where is this going? This seems interesting. I know when Pat was running to it at Serpent, I was in the room with Lindsay and we were in, in interrogating or at least talking to a guy running a, a survey team. And while he's like showing Lindsay the map and everything, I locked the door. And if that conversation <laughs> wasn't going to go the way I liked, that guy was going out the window. There was a lot of uh, interesting situations in Two-Headed Serpent that... While I was running it, I was like, eh, let's see where this goes. Let's have fun with it. And, you know, lo and behold, my players did not, um, you know, fail to entertain me at all. <laughs> and so some zany things happened. And I loved it. It was fantastic. I, I think what I appreciated about Pat running two-headed two serpent was uh, you're very... Um, just hold the steering wheel with one hand. You know what I mean? You were the kind of keeper that was just, I'm, I'm just going to hold on with one hand and let the players kind of guide me along. I like that. I yeah, think it, was, it, was, it was very free. It was nice. Mm-hmm. As many months where I was just like, uh, like Ian got him and Zach, well, actually the whole party and just to a terrible situation <laughs> that could have ended up in a TPK. This is why the monkey's arms deal was happening nearby in the woods. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was so I, funny. There was like a war going on, and I was just doddering around in the woods with a monkey. Yeah. No, and, 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 and to be clear, and, and to be clear, there was literally a war happening. Yeah. Oh, it was it was terrible. And there was a moment in which I had to tell Ian, like, I I don't know if I can save you guys from this. I was generally like, uh, I guess we'll see what happens. And I was totally fine with it. I was like, I'm probably, and and to be fair, Pat, I did not think I was going to survive that scene. 
I don't think anybody thought you were. Ian just walked out in the middle of a gunfight, yelled, Jesus, take the wheel, and went for it. Yeah, but Zach saved the day. He's dumped pretty much all his luck to do it, but it happened. And it now, was Pat, worth it, too. Now, Pat, part of that was also like you get going through masks with Ian. And Ian, I could pick out a very specific scene where you kind of stole the show when we're in the uh, the truck rental place and you're being a colossal ass the entire time to the point where I said, like, if this was a silent movie, we would just see panels that just says swearing and cockney. <laughs> as, you t- as you take your cane and, like, move all their papers, which one of these mi- meaningless forms must I fill out for to rent one of your trucks, sir? <laughs> I'm, just clear, like, I'm clearly the most important person on the earth. Oh man, Thaddeus! Oh, what what can be said about Thaddeus that hasn't already been said? Uh, he was eaten by a giant tentacle god. We're and, gonna find out tomorrow. That's what. And we may have heard of him. Perhaps you've heard of me. Mm-hmm. I'm betting that it says it on your tombstone. If Rob's character didn't take over your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but but can, but what can you put on the tombstone of someone like? Thaddeus Murdoch the third. When there's a life just sitting there ripe for the taking over, who can blame a guy? And Rob, like you said, it's the 1950s and I can steal someone's identity like pretty much in my sleep. <laughs> if you weren't there to witness the crime, it didn't happen. I mean, one could argue you stole his identity in another country and then the States definitely doesn't, don't, don't, doesn't know that. That guy, I, I do want to, uh, um, Thank you for allowing Tucker to to do some uh, horrible things and completely derail an investigation. You know, uh, beating all of my fellow players on a side of hand roll to definitely swipe the murder weapon and pocket it, and then pull it out at another fellow character, Greg. Um, not twenty minutes later. So, Brian, the reason why I love that character is one: as a human, you are l- almost the complete opposite of Tucker Carson. So, there's a little <laughs> bit of joy and the humor in that. Two, you play with such horrid conviction that is a joy so it's literally just like christmas for me whenever he shows up (laughs) you uh finding Lindsay's body in an abandoned amusement park praying for jesus and then throwing it in a lake is one of my personal favorites i'm a i'm a little jealous that i haven't yet played with tucker carlson uh rob i was rob we got to make this happen man we can bring him back i can uh, i i can play a shade of tucker for uh Ian's new campaign. Oh, his most recent appearance, we found a, a dark young, and it it had all the conservative information he wanted. He found he found the Hillary emails. He found the Biden laptop. He found it all. And what uh, else walked away find? completely fine. Oh, yep. Because my my strategy was, I'm just going to kneel to it, and uh, uh, you know, going to appease it as a lord because it was giving me everything I wanted. And uh, I didn't die. Doesn't doesn't Tuck, Tucker have a uh, a power of like twenty five or thirty? It's awful. Yeah. It, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's consistently going. He's consistently going to go insane, like he didn't on land. Also, Brian did the right thing. I'm just gonna bow to the dark young Pat's over there. I'm gonna run and fight it. All this other stuff, just giant tentacles mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna Look. fight a Mack truck. Let me know how that works out. Oh, no, it's great. Pat's like, bang, 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 bang. One damage. Well, I, I, I need to roll. Like, no, it's one damage. You can stop. Yeah, it, it didn't work out so hot. But I was just playing my uh, my dumb cop. So, Yep. Tucker saves the day. Yeah, I don't know if he at saved least, anything. At, at least for pass. Tucker. No, he, he saved the day for Tucker. Yeah. You mean for America. 
That's right. I want to thank all our listeners for joining us this evening. Join us next week where we cover Call of Cthulhu overall and what we love about it. Oh, that's there's a lot to talk about there. And uh, thank you, Rob and Brian, for joining us. Thanks yeah, for having it was me. nice, ha- yeah, nice having, having you guys me. on. Yeah, nice having you guys on board. <laughs>